Brainstorm, the podcast exploring how our minds work, how work affects us, and how we can best deal with it. We are Aidan Camis and Damiano Tescaro, explorers of the office jungle and mental health aficionados. Buckle up, because ideas are about to get wild. Hello and welcome to episode one of Brainstorm. I'm Aidan Camis and I'm joined here by Damiano Tescaro. How are you doing today, Damiano? Hello, Aidan. Ah, it's so cool that we're doing this. I'm so happy and I'm so excited. I'm doing really well. It's a, it's a very good day. How are you? Fantastic to hear. Yeah, it's a good day. Good day. Well, a bit, a bit grey outside, but, uh, but I suppose that's... It's a- bright inside, right? Oh, you, that was far cheesier than anything I was going to say. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, set the mood perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's dark outside, but it's bright in here on the podcast. Um, so, Damiano, what are, what's this all about? Why are we here? What are we going to talk about? Well, this is uh, an experiment, right? We are here to, to experiment together. We are here to create a conversation fundamentally around the topics of psychological safety, about mental awareness, uh, mental health, of course, and everything that has to do with diversity and inclusion. Because maybe, Aidan, you should introduce yourself as the steward, right? Steward. Okay, we've gone from aficionado to steward now. I, I like this. What else? We're, we're doing experiments, so can we be scientists too? We are also scientists, yes. Every day is a school day. Every Everything we do is an experiment. That's the that's the way to live. Um, yeah, so I, I'm the chair of the neurodiversity community in Red Hat. Uh, our, our kind of mission is to, well, just, just show people that it's, it's okay to be unique different and to and the fact that even if you don't have a diagnosed mental health uh, anything uh, people still have brains you still have mental health even if you don't have a mental health issue i have a brain you have a brain i can relate to this excellent yeah damiano was saying before and i hope you don't mind me sharing this uh, a little bit of vulnerability damiano was saying well should we introduce ourselves at the beginning of the podcast because uh, you know we're we're not really qualified we're not uh, you, you're qualified to talk about a brain. You, you have a brain. We all have our own unique human experiences. <laughs> Which is beautiful. And frankly, I think the beauty of this idea and the reason why we, we're doing this, Aiden, right, is because I think this is the, the best time possible to start a conversation around all of these topics, right? Mental health, but also in general, I think awareness, right? It's not just because you have a like a mental disorder, for example, uh, or a condition that you should care about these kind of things. It's literally everyone should care about their own mental health because we all have our own mental health. And this is not something that just improves our own lives, but it can also improve our relationships, not just at work, but also outside of work. So this is really, hopefully, the beginning of a beautiful conversation. What is our topic for today, Aidan? The topic of today is going to be vulnerability and showing people that Ooh. it's okay to talk about those things that we find scary. You know, life in life, we're going to have those those things which are which are difficult to talk about. Things like you know, telling someone that, that you love them is a really scary oh, thing yeah. to do. Being the oh, first yeah. one to do that. It's a terrifying thing to do. And our, our bodies immediately go into a uh, panic mode. But Panic mode. Absolutely. It's my default a lot of the time. Thanks, anxiety. <laughs> but those kind of moments of fear, to get through them, uh, 
when you get through them, on the other side, you have real high, strong emotions that they're the things yeah. which make life, they make life life. But too often yeah. we can kind of be paralyzed by the, the, the inability to be vulnerable and that stops us from actually gaining any of these things that, that we really deeply crave but end up blocking because of that initial, initial understandable fear. I think absolutely all, I think all and I think the the beauty of I, I think the the talking about these topics is really raising awareness about mm. them right because I my natural reaction when I hear the word the word being vulnerable is this sort of a uh, I don't want to be vulnerable I don't want to be weak yes that's the association that comes to mind absolutely. I think most people will feel this way right um, and there is also this association probably that vulnerability belongs more to the feminine side and being kind of strong and kind of, um, I don't know, not very emotional. It's more of a masculine side, yeah. which thankfully you and I, Aiden, don't represent this at oh, all. Oh, I, I hope not. <laughs> I, I cry. I cry at just the merest mention of a dog in any film at all. I, I'm, 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 I'm trying to make up for the, for the rest of the... the, the <laughs> And I think, you know, this is the, the beauty kind of behind this of talking about these things is this doesn't have to be like a, a silver bullet to kind of fix everything, but the way to conquer this awareness for ourselves and for others is to really just start thinking a little bit about this because the, the way I see this and vulnerability, we will talk about this maybe um, during the episode, mm -hmm. but it's a bit like going to the gym, right? Mm. You start, you're cranky, you, you know, it aches because of course you're not maybe used to it. But as you do it more and more, you grow stronger and stronger. Absolutely. And there is a part of me that nowadays actually takes pleasure in being able to be vulnerable because I know that the, the effects, right, afterwards yeah. are extremely positive. And I think because it's a muscle that we just need to train, uh, it's very important that we also communicate this idea of it, it's all right, right? It will ache at, at first. Mm. It will feel uncomfortable maybe at first. But what are the benefits, right, that you bring home with this? Absolutely. No, that's you, you've touched on something really important there is, is that a lot of it is powered by that fear of the unknown. So, for example, I, I do a lot of presentations, hand-wavy stuff over video calls at the moment. In the first one I did around psychological safety, I mentioned about the fact that I have ADHD. And mm -hmm. I've, I chat about it with friends all the time. I put it on social media. I've written blog posts about it. But thinking back to the first time I was actually talking openly about it, I didn't sleep that night. I'm pretty sure right. I put a yeah, post yeah. up on whatever platform that just mentioned my name and the words ADHD next to it. And I didn't sleep mm. the entire night. I just clicked post threw my phone to the other side of the room and went, ah, what's going to happen? <laughs> what have I done? This is terrible. <laughs> but, then, yeah, yeah, yeah. but then, you know, people say, wow, thank you for being open here. This is really, you know, I've, I'm also going through this and I, I haven't been able to talk to anyone about it. And it's really scary taking that first step and it, it yeah. takes courage. Um, and I, the only reason I could do it is because I've, I've seen others share so openly with so much honesty and that that kind of made me think well if they can do it why can't i do it and now and now it's just easy i'll just drop it in a conversation with a bus driver 
<laughs> but wait a second. So I think this is super interesting to kind of zoom in a little bit in how how did you choose the first time to share this and why, right? Oh. Because I think that first step is the one that most people really, it's the, the, the make or break moment for most people, yeah. right? Yeah. So how did you approach that moment? What were your, what was your thinking and your reason also to bring yourself to that? Mm. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that at university, I, I had a, a lot of really close friends who, who were open with, with your brains, with your mental health. And so being able to actually talk openly and actually develop that, that knowledge, that kind of ability to talk about your brains. Cause you know, in, in, in primary school, secondary school, I was never taught about mental health. I can tell you that mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but do I know mm -hmm. how to rationalize and talk about my emotions? I've got absolutely no idea. It was, it was always like <laughs> yes. that, that stereotypical caveman just brain, brain hurt bad. So watch TV and eat lots of food and play video games to make Aiden not feel sad. So much easier, right? So much easier. It, it's it's the the natural thing. We go, okay. I, I don't I don't want these emotions to be here, so I'm just going to mask them. I'm going to yeah. cover them up. The more difficult thing is to actually introspect, look at them, and ask for help. Humans are a bit of a contradiction sometimes. We manage to get so far in in terms of evolution, progress, however you however you define that, through collaboration and helping one another. Yeah. But we're still so scared to say, I'm I'm not feeling too great. I'm feeling pretty stressed and close to burnout at the moment. I need help. Yeah. And I think this is ironically one of the simplest and most powerful changes that I think anyone can do in their daily lives, right? Mm. It's that kind of I leave it today, I suppose, almost like a challenge to myself to to be there. Um the voice somehow of, I don't know, the, the thrill, right? I've come to okay. associate the thrill of vulnerability with something that is actually exciting for me almost from a physical level because it becomes energizing when you realize how people respond. Because mm. I think ultimately most of us are afraid of something, right? We don't like feeling vulnerable, but we ultimately feel, especially now that we have this incredible volume of information around us, right? Mm. And social media is a big part of this. But there is a lot of judgment that we perceive, mm. not necessarily receive, but perceive, yes. right? So it's kind of lingering in the air around us. And this creates this sort of a constant state of, I don't know what to do, or should I say this, should I not? Should I just conform to what I'm seeing around myself? Mm. And a lot of time what I found is that and this applies very much to work meetings as well with my team, um, that, you know, it's very easy to start the conversation being, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. Oh, yeah, amazing. Fantastic. To be the first person to say, you know what? I'm, I'm really having a hard day today, guys. I'm, I'm a bit struggling today. So tough, and yeah. something magical happens. And in my experience, it has never failed. Like this is a 100% success rate of tonal shift in the conversation. And this is not like a, a change into kind of pitiful, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, yeah. it becomes, um, because I mean, we are also humans, right? So people respond in most of the time in, in a very sympathetic way and they, they try to move towards you, right? They feel uh, called by this 
if you want, call for help, mm. which is a very human thing to do, is a very natural thing to do. And the conversation that stem out of the simple statement that sometimes I, I make are wonderful because then other people start opening up. It's like opening the door for other people to come through as well. That's, so I think that's a crucial bit you said. Right? Yeah. yeah, that showing others that it's okay. A, a lot of the time you can kind of go into that, oh, I, I read this book on psychological safety, or I, I read this, I watched Brené Brown's excellent talk about the power of vulnerability, and mm -hmm. you all need to be more vulnerable right now as people on this team. You need to share your deepest, darkest childhood fears. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to share this. That doesn't work, but actually no. <laughs> doing it yourself and showing people it's okay to, to yeah. do so... Again, humans, great at complementary behavior. If someone does something, we'll go, oh, that means we can do it too. So yep. like, yeah, being the first one to do that. So good job you for doing that. And, and can I say that one of the big reasons why I think uh, I feel so comfortable in doing this at work is because my manager creates a very safe space to do that, right? Every time I've opened the conversation in that way, you know, where we were checking in with each other, mm. there was always immediately a space to to talk about this right mm. and it doesn't mean that we talk one hour about you know whatever we feel but it could just be you know that 30 seconds that allows you to get this information out of your system and i already feel a lot better right yeah and it already kind of brings people a bit more together because we feel like we are we understand each other a little bit more mm. and it's much easier to to be maybe a little bit more um i don't know proactive in reaching out for you know offering help yeah. And again, it has this kind of snowball effect of beautiful little positive things that ultimately can really make one's day a lot brighter. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing in the in the current lockdown times that I've definitely noticed is you you don't have those little conversations that you take for granted. When you're True. you know, just popping to get a drink from the kitchen or something, you go, Oh, hey, hey, Harold. I don't know anyone named Harold. I don't know where that name came from, but <laughs> hey, Harold, how are you doing today? Oh, good. How are you? Yeah, I've just got this meeting. Blah, blah, blah. You have those little conversations that happen throughout the day. But if your only interaction is sitting at desk, I log on, I go on to a meeting that's from 9 till 10, then I've got another meeting that goes from 10 till 11, but one of the meetings going to run over, so the next one I have to go on, and they're all for an hour to the hour, and you always end up in this rush, and you're in this, I'm sorry, I've got to run over to the next meeting, I've got to do this, got to do this. Actually taking a bit of time at the beginning, and I, I noticed you said the word checking in, something that I really love doing is just asking a question to everyone. So I'll usually grab something like a, a rubber duck um, mm -hmm. and say something like, how are you doing today? Uh, another question is, how are you doing? How are you really doing? I find yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that that's, again, that's showing beautiful. people that it's okay to say, you know, the first one's, yeah, yeah, I'm all right, how are you? That's a very, yeah. I don't know if that's just a traditional British stiff upper lip thing. It, it's a knee-jerk reaction, right? It's yeah. Like, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is a formality. Done. This is an automatic mm -hmm. reaction. This isn't a real question. But actually going, no, how are you really feeling today? I think feeling yeah. rather than doing is a nice one too. And then just something like, what you've been watching on TV lately? And it, it just starts a conversation about something not to do with work. You pass the imaginary object around to everyone on the team, so everyone actually gets to voice how they're feeling. It's lovely. Yeah. And there is something that I remember you saying in one of our conversations around, um, around this, which is some people are afraid that if they start the conversation and they bring in something, maybe they don't feel great today, there is 
in the other participants this sort of a fear, then now they have to deal with these negative emotions, right? Mm. So they brought it to the table and now I have to deal with this. Mm. And some people feel a bit uncomfortable, right? But something really beautiful that you said in that conversation was also we don't have to fix other people. Sometimes Mm. just listening and just acknowledging the other person's emotion is absolutely more than enough. Yeah, it's so powerful in its own right, just having someone to listen to you and to to actually listen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I'm very lucky in that I've got close friends that I can share how I'm feeling with. But even when I'm, I'm talking about how I'm feeling with them, there's that back of the mind kind of, oh, you can't tell them all these things because they've got their own things going on. You know, they're really busy and they've got this. But whenever someone comes to me and says, oh, Aiden, I've been feeling quite low, I'm, I will happily sit there and listen and genuinely care about them. But but then when I'm talking to someone else, I then go, oh, no, they're too busy. They're feeling that way. And it, it's illogical. Right? But I feel like therapy is really nice because you know, part of me thinks, well, they're paid to listen, so they're going to listen. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not going to go, oh, sorry, sorry if I'm bothering you too much. <laughs> and that, that's that's what they're, they're there to help with. Um, but yeah, that, that's a very good point. And I think this is actually a very good exercise as well, right? Because as you said, most of these associations that we have, like, oh, well, I don't want to bother people with this. It's like an automatic um, again, it's an association that we have, but maybe doing counseling creates this habit, a new mm-hmm. habit that can replace the previous one. Mm. Because ultimately, in my experience, and I've had some amazing conversations with some of my colleagues, you know, for being here just six months, I've, I feel super lucky because you really can start these kind of conversations, right? And there is a lot of courage, I think, that is... Uh, spread across which is beautiful and I think this is something that should be encouraged even more because Mm. as you said right now we are all working from home and I feel like there is a level of stress and actually I think the the scientific term that has been used for this is actually psychological grief yes for the lockdown right for this kind of new situation that is so alien for most of us Mm. and I think being able to establish a new level of connection with the people we work with dramatically changes as well our professional interactions, right? Sometimes, as you were saying before, just starting the conversation with a a true, honest, one minute checking in with the other person can completely shift the rest of the conversation because you suddenly have more context, right? And I think a very important, um, I don't want to say it's a, a side effect, but it's something that stems out of listening it's compassion. Yes. What do you think? Uh, absolutely. I think one thing that that we all do really well as humans is, well, no, no, I think it's more to do with recognizing that we are all humans. It's something that can very easily disappear when we are just, you know, if we're sending an email to someone, we're sending it to blah, blah, blah at company.com. Yeah. And that's all you see. You just see letters, you see numbers actually doing things like check-ins and taking time to remember every single person on the other side of an email, every single instant message you get, the bus driver, whoever's working behind the the tills in or cash register, thanks the tills mm-hmm. is a very UK thing again. They're a human being. They yeah. have hopes and fears. They have dreams. They have families. They they're just trying their best to be happy and to and to get on and to be human. And I think remembering that 
really helps to move towards that compassionate mindset, which we mm -hmm. all have in us by default. It's just sometimes it gets covered up by other things. But coming from a place of compassion, like I said, it's what helped us to progress as humans. And there's an excellent book I'm reading at the moment, which I could talk about for hours, called Humankind by Rutger, Rutger Brennan. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, really excellent, just showing about how compassion and kindness is you know, it, it is the key. It's what's got us this far. It's what still helps us to, to, to work together and to ultimately be happier. Hmm, that's very interesting. One question that I would have there is when it comes to compassion, right? Because it sounds very intuitive, but I'm thinking if in a daily scenario, right, there are actually plenty of blockers that would prevent me from feeling the level of compassion or uh, prevent me from being as vulnerable. Because again, there is an autopilot in our mind, right, mm. that can kind of stop that from happening. Maybe can we talk a little bit about these blockers? How can we try to identify these showstoppers that prevent our compassion to spring into action? Absolutely. So, so there's quite a few things. A lot of them, like you said, that that autopilot. That autopilot's kind of how we live most of our lives. I know for me, definitely is ADHD. One side effect of that is lots of things flying around in the I want to say hypothalamus. Can't remember whichever region of the brain does executive functioning. That's where you can go. Okay, I'm going to release some uh, some nor noradrenaline. I think that helps mm -hmm. keep you motivated and focused. And I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to, for example, write a script or something to talk about for this podcast episode. We haven't written a script. We are we definitely not scripty. We're just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, what we've got down here. Ask how you're doing. Identify blockers. Yeah, outro. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's go. But but things like that, actually focusing on, on one thing. Um, ADHD is like, nah, we're going to just follow every single individual thought that pops into our brain right now. Like, oh, new Taylor Swift album. Let's listen to that now. No, let's focus on what we're doing at hand here. Let's not look over at the phone. Good thing. Okay, we've turned the phone upside down. Now you can't see a notification flash. But that's what's kind of going on inside all of our brains. Maybe right. not to the same extent, but we live in that autopilot. We look at whatever's the most shiny, the most reactive, um, the loudest voice that can often happen in office environments. <clears throat> it's not what's the most important thing for our customer? What's actually going to help people in my team? It's what's got the most urgent deadline. And mm -hmm. we kind of do that. I think bringing a bit of a bit of mindfulness and actually mindfulness doesn't have to mean doing yoga and meditating on top of a, on top of a mountain whilst balancing on your big toe. Mindfulness just means, you know, actually recognizing <laughs> your own thoughts, taking a look and going, oh, I feel a bit stressed today. What is that? My my heartbeat's increased a bit, um, probably because I'm nervous about recording a podcast. Is it probably that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, there we are. It's probably that. There's more nervousness. <laughs> I'm punching my mic. I'm nuts. Uh, <laughs> there, it has no fault. Don't punch. Yeah, mic, it's not please. your fault, mate. But <laughs> but that's something that we can definitely do is to actually yes. kind of get more in tune with our own thought patterns, and that's a big blocker to to that to that compassion for others. Yeah, since. I'm personally a very um, visual person when it comes to kind of thinking about concepts. And you there decided to do a podcast, that I, the, least visual, the least visual medium, a podcast. 
<laughs> Hopefully our viewers, I mean, if you want videos of your presenters, uh, please just let us know in the comments below. There's no comment field, so yeah, we will never hear about this. Just shout, but, uh, just shout it openly <laughs> in your room right now. <laughs> Pretend exactly. you're listening. But um, there are two red flags that I've come to um, learn hmm. to detect, right, for myself when there, there are blockers. Because most of the time, the blocker for me is of an emotional nature, right? And emotional thinking is a very difficult kind of thinking to really sift through and kind of see what's behind mm. it because emotions are, by definition, cloudy and blurry mm. and difficult to really rationalize mm. in the spot of the moment, in the heat of the moment when you're having a discussion because this presentation was supposed to be done by last Friday and whatever. It's very hard, right, to be, oh, I'm going to be compassionate right now. <laughs> So there are a couple of things that I do. The first one is um, Mel Robbins' method of the 5-4-3-2-1 rule, the five seconds rule. Um, she has developed the system where she literally suggests to count backwards aloud, 5-4-3-2-1. Mm -hmm. The reason is that because just counting backwards, we are forcing the frontal part of the, the brain, I think it's the, the prefrontal cortex is called, yep. um, which is the rational side of the brain. So we basically are forcing the rational part of the brain to take control because we have to think about counting backwards. Mm -hmm. And this is one way to bring the energy from the emotional side into the rational side. Mm. The other thing that I really like to do is, this is more like a, something that I took from meditation exercises, is actually imagine myself in a car, right? And imagine mm -hmm. that I'm driving the car and I'm stressed and I'm honking because people are silly and they don't know when to turn and, you yeah. know, they don't do the, they don't follow the rules. Yeah. And I imagine myself, I literally visualize myself moving into the back seat. Okay. Interesting. Because in that moment, again, because I, I need to visualize this a little bit and um, yeah. to remind myself that the driving, the driver in this case is feeling anger, but this anger does not belong to me or mm. this annoyance doesn't belong to me. I am not anger. Mm. I am feeling, I'm experiencing anger, but this is outside of Damiano. This is a, a filter, it's like a lens, a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. It's in the driver's seat. Yeah. I'm in the passenger seat. And this is just like one little trick that helps me kind of step back for a second from the emotional hyper, if you want, moment. Yeah. And helps me, you know, reconsider a little bit. And this is normally when there is a bit of more breathing space for compassion, right? To kick mm. in and be like, okay, I'm having a really hard time in this conversation. Is this because this person is maybe feeling weird? Mm. Is this something happening? And normally what I like to do is to change the register of the conversation. So I kind of drop the, the work topic and I try to go back into, okay, how are you feeling now? Because I just want to check, I'm feeling a bit stressed right now. How are you feeling right now? Because maybe we need to realign ourselves, our hearts in a certain way mm. before we can move forward because otherwise we're just going to clash against each other. Absolutely. Do you ever do something like this? Yeah, so so I like that. It's, it's something that I've, meditation is something that I've I've been doing on and off for uh, for many years. Uh, it's something I've always tried. I know that it'd be a good thing to do it as a daily habit, but I haven't been able to do it yet. But but that, that thing you said about, uh, I am aware that I am feeling X. You're separating yourself from the equation. And it, it's something that sounds great in principle, but it's very difficult to do. Oh and boy, it's, yeah. again, it's, it's something that comes with practice. Little things like remembering that, okay, 
you know, sometimes we're in a, a meeting and someone's disagreeing with us and our natural, like you said, that, um, is it, is it the limbic system, the, the reptile part of the brain where it's like, just start a fight, disagree uh-huh. with them immediately. They, they disagreed with you, shoot down all their <laughs> ideas, Tell, pick holes and do this, um, say it'll never work. Actually recognizing, well, are they doing this deliberately because they're a bad person? Probably not because mm-hmm. they're a rational, sensible human being. Yeah. And recognizing that, you know, they're, they're not saying this deliberately to to aggravate you. Try and have a look. See, is there is there anything in here where, where they're actually right? There probably is. There's there's definitely a reason why they're thinking of that. Um, so kind of approaching conversations or arguments, which I say in commas, like, I think we'll save that for a later episode, but always approach those kind of conversations with a with a mindset of what can I learn here rather than I need to I need to convert this person to to my viewpoint because my viewpoint is definitely the correct way and the only way. Actually see, well, can I ask questions that'll help me understand more about their viewpoint? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the beauty of this, right, and when when you were saying this, I was imagining how many situations this applies to, like virtually every possible situation at work and off work as well. And it kind of reminded me why we decided to talk about vulnerability as the first episode, right? Mm. Because I think we both agree this is the the keystone. It's the foundation of the conversation around mental health awareness, uh, psychological safety, mm. in general awareness, I think. And um, as a first episode, I really hope that people kind of jump on the train with us, not because we are telling them what they should do, because this is really a, a conversation starter, right? And this for me is really important that we feel that we all belong into this conversation and everybody should be part of this conversation and speak their minds and give ideas. So I really would like, now that we're kind of starting to wrap up the episode, <laughs> um, to first of all say thank you uh, to all our listeners and we hope you like the podcast. If you have any ideas, please let us know because there is more to come, but we really want to hear from people, right? This is really important for us. Uh, I think it'd be quite nice to wrap up with some some nice strategies for actually helping helping yourself to be more open and vulnerable and to help others around you. So some that, that we briefly mentioned earlier was around the idea of a check-in. This can literally just take two minutes at the beginning of a meeting, but asking everyone in the team or just asking one person, how are you doing? How are you really doing if you want to do that? Or what do you want to focus on today? What do you want to get out of this meeting? And a completely random question. Like, what new album have you been listening to lately? What book have you read? What have you been watching on TV? What hobbies have you picked up? What what did you what was the last thing that made you smile? What's the great joke that you've heard recently? Something completely unrelated to work, but it actually yes. helps to build that conversation as human beings. Giving people time when asking questions. So you know, it's very easy. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, you're feeling sad. That's, that's a shame. Okay, we'll move on. Actually going, oh, can you tell me more? Just little questions yes. like that. It's often around mental health specifically, you know, we, we tend to worry and second guess ourselves and go, oh, what if I say the thi- what if I say the wrong thing? What if I say, I don't know, something that, that that's not, that's not right. What if it offends them? Yeah. The intent is always more important than than the words you're saying if you if you say to someone i don't know you accidentally think that i don't know if you say oh, oh adhd oh how do you deal with like uh with like always fidgeting and stuff um 
It's a bad example because I am a bad fidgeter. Um, I'm playing with a hair clip at the moment while doing this. Real life examples for you. There. You yeah, go. I was going to say, what's some stereotype? But but things like that where you think, oh, can I, can I say this? Is it okay to say that? Say it. People will, as long as you're, as long as it's coming from a point of, I, I want to learn more. I want to know more so that, not so yes. that I can say, oh, here are my ideas to fix it, but just to listen. I think people are always going to recognize that. So listening more than you speak. Um, and finally, to end my big monologue um, before I chuck over to you, Damiano, because as a human being, you have plenty of ideas. Um, is it's, it's kind of it's kind of difficult to say it without being patronizing, but just try it. Like yeah. I said, it's it's a muscle. It's something that, you know, try it out with close friends. Try try shouting it out into the air at this podcast mm-hmm. right now to say, I'm feeling blah, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling like uh, the loss of freedom is making it difficult to get a uh, nice balance between work and life right now. But just say that, just start small and then build up close friends, family, then start teams and then maybe write a blog post or a podcast about it. <laughs> what do you think, Damiano? Which is, I think, a great idea. Like, it's, it's all about practice. I, For me, really, the most important thing that I would like everyone to to just realize is this is not a one-step solution. It's not like a five-days program. It's not like a, a silver bullet. This is a, a lifetime of practice that yields phenomenal results in the long run. But it's mm. really made of micro-interactions. It's made of micro-decisions as well. And the beauty, I think, is that the outcome constantly overwhelms the the effort like it's mm. or in a positive way right as mm. in we get so much more than you know what what we think we are losing when we are being vulnerable because yeah. ultimately we are really creating stronger relationships and frankly most of the time even just within ourselves we are being mm. also more honest internally with ourselves and this is good in general you know for a lot of things yeah. And for even the most business-oriented people that really despise talking about emotion in a work environment, which I can understand, I still think that this level of awareness for mental health and psychological safety, it's business critical. So all of these things are beautiful and important from a personal perspective, a psychological perspective, but boy, oh boy, this has a business impact. Do you want me to hit you with some stats? I've got a, I've got a whole, there's, a, there's an excellent study. Let, by, because uh, I mean, this is the part that I personally found more incredibly interesting. And also it's a fantastic segue to the next episode, I guess. Absolutely. Because <laughs> the next episode is going to be about psychological safety um, and talking about the, the benefits of that in, in organizations. So Google did an excellent uh, project called Project Aristotle, where they reviewed their own teams to find what made those teams really high performing. Um, this was with about 5,000 uh, 5, people, 220 teams. Um, no, less than that, 700 people, 220 teams. They found that psychological safety was above and beyond the largest indicator. That's cool. That's one company. Thankfully, Lance Frazier uh, did and uh, a bunch of their colleagues did a meta-analysis, including something like 2,200 different teams. And they all found that overwhelmingly the, the data show that... Oh, it feels weird saying data with the correct plural. The data show. <laughs> sounds wrong, but it's all right. Um, 
shows that psychological safety, you know, as well as the fantastic things we talked about, about, you know, the priceless things about people actually being happier there. Yeah. It actually leads to better ideas coming out, better uh, innovation, people being more open, um, less time taken off for work. In the USA, I think $35 billion were lost. Um, no, $108 billion were lost on an average of 35 work days. Um, were lost due to unreported stress and mental health issues, things which could actually be go. supported if you're open. Um, I've got lots more numbers, but I'll save that for the next episode. Ooh, um, looking forward to that. And, very excited. Uh, I would say the the wrap-up of Right for This, and probably for most of our episodes, is probably the bottom line, it's okay not to be okay. But the good thing is that we can talk about this and we can think together about this. We would love, love, love to hear from everyone, right? So please write us. Let's talk about this. We will figure this out. We will be here for the next episode next time. And uh, it's been great to to share this experience with you, Aidan. Thank you so much. Thank you, Damiano. It's it's been my pleasure. We we also may be joined by some by some guests pretty soon as well. So if you're <laughs> already already tired of our of our voices, which hopefully you are, <laughs> hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll we'll do a little bit of magic editing. So there's a, a little bit less of um yeah and um and kind of yeah. Hopefully. I'm so gonna leave this in the podcast. You're gonna leave. You're gonna add more in. You're gonna make it sound like I say like and like every other word because I'm properly millions <laughs> in Welsh. Like, <laughs> hopefully, yeah, we'll have some more more guests on to to share their expertise. Yes, and any as usual, we wish you a fantastic day. Have a great day. Remember, it's okay not to be okay. Take care. <laughs>